Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast, where we focus on real Canadian rugby. I'm Hugh Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, I see you're wearing your Saracens jersey. Oh, of um, course, of course. Now, you may be wondering, Stu, why are you so pessimistic about Welsh rugby? And if you watch the Ospreys versus Saracens game in the Champions Cup last round of 16, <laughs> wait until the 68th minute for Duncan Taylor's try and you'll understand perfectly what I'm talking about. Oh, um, well, uh, that's what actually made me really happy. I was glad that you pointed out the jersey because I just wanted to make sure that you could actually see it because clearly Reese Webb cannot. Um, and yeah. Also, yeah. maybe don't take a quick line out with like, see if there's if there's eight guys wearing these jerseys within your vicinity. Quick line out is not the best idea. It's not mm-hmm. not the best option. Yeah, you know, you know. So, I think especially as well. I think you could maybe get that away without an MLR team, but not against a team that's won three European Champions Cups. I don't think that's no, reasonable. no, exactly. That's what the uh, the three stars are on this jersey for the the three Champions Cups, and yeah, um, yeah, that was kind of a a weird. That was a weirdly annoying game, I think, uh, for Saracens fans though. That was like, um, for the most part, like their execution seemed way off. Um, definitely not up to the standard that you're kind of used to. Um, mm-hmm. The Ospreys actually started really good. Their first half was incredible. Yeah, it was just the second half, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, the second half's where you where all it all fell apart. You were probably still in that game too until Reese Webb decided to throw the easiest try that Duncan Taylor has and will ever score in his life. Yeah, but I, I think as well as that the, there was a final try scored in the I think it was like 79th minute or so. Yeah. Um by uh Wilson Croft. And that that yeah. was like okay. Now it's beyond reasonable doubt. As in, even if he hadn't thrown that pass, it's a Saracens game to win. Um, yeah, but and, like you play. I mean, you can say that, but you play differently depending on what the score is, right? So yeah, maybe maybe Wilson Croft doesn't get into that position and stuff too. Um, yeah. Malins had two really big tries that kind of kept the Saracens in the game, even to get to that point anyway. Yeah. So. Well, Osprey's head coach says that what the Ospreys have been doing up until that game in Europe is winning the uh, big moments. So not necessarily like scoring tries, but doing things that... And the two instances were obviously the quick line out, which uh, didn't go to plan, and well as the... So the Malin's first try, because that was from a scrum, which the Osprey should have won, and instead... They allowed Saracens to get over them, and yeah, the scores just went away. But anyway, let's stop talking about European rugby. Let's bring it back to North American rugby because you said you were gonna wear yeah. you're gonna wear the jackals hat when they won a game, and yeah. you know the streak is over. Yeah, it's, it's um one yeah. in twenty two. Yeah, Owen. Yeah, Owen. Now they now they're one in twenty two. It's nice. Um. Yeah, about like a year ago, Official League, the company, I guess, that makes a lot of the hats for the Dallas Jackals, um, sent me a Jackals hat. So I said I would wear it when they uh, got their first win. I did not expect that when I made that claim that it would be against the Arrows and I would have to talk about the Arrows losing to the Jackals while wearing a Jackals hat. Um, But I did put up a a big Arrows logo behind me now. Um, So we still got we still got the Arrows logo. I got to keep my word, though, on saying that I would wear the Jackals hat after their first win, Um, which I mean, we will dive into. But on 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 the one other side, though, this is an incredibly comfortable hat. (laughs) <laughs> um, and it, it's actually amazing. And uh, I do actually kind of wear it a little bit more often than I'm leading on to believe. Um, it's actually great. So if you see some official league stuff, um, I would recommend buying it. It, it is super comfortable, man. It's a, like, it's a legit great hat. Um, yeah. I always like the Jackals color scheme. I think they have some of the best branding in the league, too. It's just uh, I didn't want to wear the hat to talk about the arrows losing, though. Yeah. But now I have to. I know. So let's so, get into it. Okay. So and so we've oh, like we've talked about like the Arrows injury woes, how they haven't really been performing that well this season, which you could say, oh, that's due to injury, or it's just due to the attack plan not come together. It's due to like gaps in their defense. But from like a Dallas perspective, 
you get the sense that if Dallas couldn't win this game, they were never going to win any game in MLR. <laughs> I mean, the Arrows coming into this lineup, first of all, they were actually able to have 23 players throughout the duration of the game but they still had an injury list with 13 names on it. One of which is Micah Torrance-Reed, who unfortunately has uh, now flown back to New Zealand to get uh, surgery on his ACL, which he tore. So he is out of, for the season, unfortunately. We're wishing uh, Micah Torrance-Reed you know, the swiftest of recoveries. We hope to see him playing again soon. But like, that's the situation. It's, it's been 22 matches without a win. In the past two games, you've... Um, been within three points against the Hounds. You've been within one point against New England. And now you're up against a team that is basically being held together by duct tape. If you cannot win this game, uh, maybe join Super Rugby's America. I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, uh, well, to me, most of the squad is Argentinian, so... Well, they they did they did end up winning the game though, so I mean that's yeah. that is that's the that's the positive. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. Like, it's obviously a really cool moment. I guess like let me talk about the jackals for a minute first before we dive into the arrows and that. But like, it's obviously like you can really see at the end of that game the emotion on the co- like on the coaches, on the players, on a lot of the fans. It's obviously been a very difficult first year and a bit of their franchise not just for like the on-field performance but like they had that freak accident with the the mm-hmm. walkway yeah. last year too right like um you know they had um i believe like the per- they were gonna join a year earlier um and then they had to back out due to i guess um some covid stuff or things related to COVID, like you know just the idea of not playing during that 2021 season but um so, I mean, if you're a Jackals fan, like the team, this team has really been in Major League Rugby for like a year and a third, I guess. But you've you've been through a lot mm-hmm. at this point, yeah. right? Um, so like you can tell like that win meant a lot to everybody. Um yeah. right in that organization. Um it, it's cool to kind of see like, you know, I think a guy like Sam Gala, who has like their first overall draft pick this year, right? Who has been absolutely outstanding. And, you know, he got to, you know, he broke through, just absolutely shredded a tackle from Mitch Edie and then, you know, ran in and scored a try under the post to get the Jackals on the board and kind of get their ball rolling. Yeah, like he's, you know, been a constant figure in the like the MLR team of the weeks this year right so mm-hmm, yeah. that picks working out outstanding for them they obviously have a whole bunch of other players that have been really committed to a team that has at least on the pitch been struggling a lot I thought you know yeah. to give the Canadian spin on this um I thought Liam Murray was excellent um he had a couple really big hits in this game he made a lot of tackles good work rate his uh scrummaging was good um this is a pretty solid performance from liam murray leading up to this win and uh, obviously dewald kotze had the what eventually would turn out to be the game winning try yeah right? um so you know that was you know kind of nicely set up it was a really good kick from uh elias to um p- pin the arrows deep in their own end and it was a good good maul from uh, from the Jackals and Kotze obviously being the hooker was the you know the beneficiary of that. Um, lots of Canadians scored try across the MLR this weekend. Um, and unfortunately, one of them was against the Arrows, which I always feel a little bit more conflicted about. Um, they're yeah. they're cool, but also annoying at the same time, right? And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think we gotta we kind of maybe have to dissect the Arrows side of this a little bit, but I yeah. think. I mean, I think I think the Jackals just. I mean, they they've been through a lot. Their fans and everything. Like, I think it made it, it sucks that the the team that we cheer for was on the wrong end of the first loss, but or on the wrong end of their Jackals' first win. Excuse me, but you know, um, it's nobody wants nobody wants zero sixteen teams. Like yeah. no no one wants that. So it, it's it's good to. It's good to see the Jackals fin- finally, you know, get this this monkey off their back and uh, get into the win column. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Anything well, I mean, add or should we dissect this Arrows team right now? So yeah, uh, yeah, I want to mention like Adrian Boyson uh, for Dallas mm. as well. Um, to put in comparison to wow. yeah, great game. Uh, yeah, he had a great and uh, tent ball carries eighty carry meters. Uh, ta- the most tackles made of the Jackals were twenty one. To put that in comparison, James O'Neill had the most tackles for Toronto, and that was only thirteen. Yeah, it's because so, Toronto had the ball the whole game. That is true. Yeah. And okay, so let's talk about that because it seems as though it's like the, well, basically you can put on any episode of La Rouge Rugby from the past year or so talking about the arrows and their inability to convert opportunities in the 22 into points. They have the possession, they have the territory, they just don't have the proof at the end of it. It's frustrating beyond belief. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would agree with that. It 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 is frustrating. It's you know, well, like even um a game like this too, and you know, I I definitely I think I really did want to start the podcast by talking a little bit about the jackals here because like I don't want to take away from the win at all because it's obviously a big moment for that franchise, but at the same time. Um, I know I'm not wearing my arrows cap technically, but if I may switch it mentally um, mm-hmm. to put the arrows cap and the arrows glasses back on, the arrows could have won this game. Like, absolutely, there's, absolutely. there's no reason that they couldn't have won this game. And um, to be honest, too, like that's not that's not just the play at the end of the game, which I think was completely the right decision maybe we can talk about that in a minute Mm -hmm. um but it's not just the play at the end of the game where you know they they didn't put them all through and or so they get the line out five meters out they go to the drive the line ball goes to rum ball they try the driving mall and um uh gomez vara gets his hands on the ball mall comes down balls held up game's over right and it's obviously, you know, that's obviously a situation which is a prime opportunity to score tries that they fell short on. But at the same time, it's like those opportunities present themselves constantly throughout the match, too. Yeah. Um, and it's it seems like it's definitely been like a trend um, with this team, right, is that, you know, we can kind of talk about we talk about sometimes some of like the little things like there's the little set piece execution errors or handling errors or you know even just um dallas's defense to their credit i think they had like 13 turnovers in this game i wonder how yeah. much of those were inside the 22 it feels like a yeah. lot of them were right and like for whatever reason it's like the arrows again and i kind of like looked back on it i think ex- with the exception of the game against new york I believe because yeah. the game against New York, they got killed. Yes. Um, but that game against New York, I think the arrows have had the majority of territory possession in like most of the games they played this year. Yeah. Um, and this game's no exception. Right. But you know, it's, it seems like they can constantly do the right things to get in the right areas of the park. And yeah. then once they're in the 22, there's some sort of execution error. And it just feels like they're lacking like some sort of, like killer instinct to just finish off opportunities and like ultimately the biggest issue with this team right now is that they can't score right and you know right now they have seven tries in six games and joe mono has seven tries in six games yeah by himself um right three of those were against the arrows but um, like that's like the leading try scorers in the league right now are keeping pace with the entire Toronto Arrows team. But I think yeah. Hadding after that has six. Yeah. Right? So like that's like um, and obviously the Arrows are last in points four in the league. Um, but so it's like that. I don't know. That's I guess the biggest problem right now. Um, yeah. But this seems to be a continuation of issues from last year, as I mentioned. And so the. Especially when we've been, you know, talking to uh, Bill Webb, Tim Matthews, you know, and they're saying that, okay, we've brought in these, you know, front row players and we've brought in like these uh, foreign internationals because the Arrows have 
not been able to do this. They've not been they've not been like big enough or they've not been powerful enough to make that final like push in the 22 into points. And we've seen it mm-hmm. uh, throughout last season, both away and at home. And then so if you brought in these new guys and the problems are still persisting. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not now I'm not putting like the finger at like Pete Smith and say, you've got to sort this out right now. I mean, I kind of am, but more th- more in the sense of, is there something else that isn't being addressed? Is there something that we're not seeing that is affecting the players? Because, you know, and obviously you can say like, okay, it's injuries because, you know, the guys that we want to have as like the starting 15, you know, yeah. 12 of them are currently on the bench. One of them has had to fly back to his homeland to get surgery and mm-hmm. and then it's like the other question that has been brought up is like well if these guys are getting injured and they're not able to play then do we need to focus on like a different style of playing now again i'm not an attack coach i'm not a uh strength and conditioning coach i'm not a physiotherapist um mm-hmm. you know at most i'm an armchair uh any one of those. That's, so that's I, I'm not saying I know the ass. Yes, exactly. But, but that's the, the thing. The, like, this is the literal medium where people that have no idea what they are talking about are allowed to yell things into a microphone and people listen to it. I think we need to have like a microgram of knowing what we're talking about. Okay. So rugby you genuinely is played don't with though. 15 players, I guess. Um, yeah, you, you so genuinely yeah, anyway. don't need to know anything. You, we could have never watched rugby before and there's nothing stopping us from doing this. True, but I think for our like listeners and for like the people who actually enjoy this podcast, we need to have some level of understanding of what we're talking about. But again, rugby is a very complex thing. It's not like games aren't won or lost because of one player. It's like a team effort, and that includes not only the like players, but like yeah. the coaching team, the background uh, team, like the front of house staff. Every part of that builds into the arrows, and. You know, I'm not saying ticket sales are deciding like whether the arrows are conceding tries or not, but I feel as though I feel as though like and something isn't being addressed, something isn't being found. And if that thing can be found, or those things that can be found, then the arrows can still have the time to like turn the season around. Maybe it's not playing at home. Which they, because <laughs> uh, you know we're at the end of the road, end of the road trip, and yeah. finally the Arrows will be coming back to York Lions Stadium. I'm hoping that the home environment. I believe it's the they have three games at home. Yeah, you were then you they know have who a bye against though, right? Yeah, you know it's just like the highest ranking teams in yeah, the yeah, East exactly, and West. Yeah. So New York, New England, and then Seattle at home. Oh, you know those so are minnows. at home, but it's it's a bit. They're at home, but they get three of the best teams in the league. So if Seattle um, could. Uh, find it within their hearts to fly out the morning be, of their that game. That would be something. Eh? The arrow, arrows end the. Uh, that's the revenge. Hey, they ended the streak last yeah. year. I was so. just saying that that's the uh, that's the rugby gods making up. That'll be the rugby gods making up for being Dallas's first win. Is, yeah. Um. The arrows get to end Seattle's. What would they be by that time? Eight and zero, nine and zero. What would they be at that point in the season if they were on uh, the Seattle is the third team. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it'd be nine. I think that would whatever yeah. in O. The arrows can uh, put a one after that. Um, yeah, I think there's a. I don't know. I think there's a couple things with that. Um, with what you were saying in general there. Um, the injury situation, first of all, obviously sucks. Um, yeah. There's an entire rugby league team worth of players sitting on the you know, on injured list. Yeah. Right. Um, which. And as we mentioned last week, and I think you actually just mentioned it like 30 seconds ago or whatever, like a lot of them should start or would start or at the very least would give Pete Smith something to think about when he's making the lineup for the match day. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The other, the weird flip side of this though, um, if we're looking at this game at the very least anyways, um, all the guys that they have called up have been really good. Yes, uh, that like, is something like positive. Yeah, like this. genuinely, um, like Hank Stevenson was unbelievable in this game. Um, yeah. He had a ton of tackles, and then like he was at what felt like every breakdown. 
I yeah. every time an arrow got tackled, I think I saw um a four just flying over the ruck. Um right. And that like that was great to see. Um Brendan Black. Um I know he's he's going back, he's going to um play uh sevens with the U23 team yeah. after this now, but like Black in his two games, just literally being 18 years old, being the youngest player ever in MLR, being straight up just thrown to the fire um in this in his first two MLR games and yeah he like he's been good man he was good at he did well like you know fielding kicks he did well returning kicks um he made good decisions on when to when to kick when to run back a counter attack um you know some good passing you know uh Deshaun Bowen came in the game he had a lot of really good kick chases made a couple tackles had some nice runs he actually drew the penalty at the end of the game to even give the arrows that chance to win at the end yeah so that was uh that was a Juan Pablo Zeiss hit him with a high tackle after he tried he did a nice little cutback move but um and uh you know ended up drawing that penalty right um so Deshaun Bowen did that Dawson Fatorik had like a like 50 plus meter run like just yeah. one line break um that he kind of busted out so like that was great um even like some of the guys that you know maybe didn't start week 1 but have been getting increased time like Owen Rutten's been really good um mm-hmm. during this injury um you know the spike in all uh, basically half the team being injured right now um like all like th- that's kind of like the weird thing with the injuries is the guys that are coming in I don't like if it's just like the maybe like you know the hunger is there mm-hmm. right to like we you who you want to make the best out of your you know first shot at you know playing mor games right yeah. um but the, like the guys like the biggest positive i think the heroes can take from this game um was like the development system is mm-hmm. clearly doing a hell of a job right? yeah um, so yeah, like the, Ar- the Arrows Senior Academy, the yeah. Pacific Pride, I guess, dude, the there were some of, series as well. Yeah, like the the some of these new guys have legit been some of the best players on the team. Um, yeah. Stevenson, I think Stevenson, I think was probably legitimately like one of the Arrows' top five best players in this game. Um, yeah. You know, like obviously there was a lot of guys, well, a handful of guys had really good, uh, had good games too. But yeah, um, but to me, well, actually, you mentioned a handful of guys that have been doing well. They obviously got to mention uh, the guy that was selected for the uh, MLR first 15 of the week, yeah, uh, yeah, Ramon Ayaza. He's he been is great this year. He is yeah. fighting for that uh, Chilean starting jersey, yeah. which will actually have a number two on its back. No, it should. He, I think he plays better with a five. Just keep him yeah. in five. Well, there's also the man with no number, Fabian Goodall, who's been who had like again, a couple of yeah, great again, breaks. Just give give him the ball, and he like mashes dudes. Um, speaking of just mashing people, uh, Luani Faliva, um, yeah. j- just absolutely lit up Alejandro Torres. That was probably the best. That was my favorite part of the whole game. Um, I was hoping it wouldn't be my favorite part of the whole game, but as <laughs> the result of the way it ended, it ended up being my favorite yeah. part of the whole game. Uh, also, also got to mention uh, the try scorer, Mr. Ross Brody, Ross yeah, the boss. Yeah, Ross, back-to-back yeah. games with a try too. Um, that's really good. Um, the, like, yeah, like Brody. Brody's been good. I think Brody Malcolm Black as a combination has been really good. Um, just like they have said, it's like they've been controlling the territory really well, and like I don't know, like. It's it's one of those things where when I'm watching this team, what I see like, and I know like you were you were just kind of saying like there seems to be like just something missing, and yeah. like I don't know like I think it's to me it's like to borrow a term from the most popular sport in our country, it seems like they're just kind of gripping their sticks too tight, right? Like they're mm. trying. I don't want to say they're trying too hard, but they're just trying like a little too much to make something happen that might not necessarily be there. Um, you don't necessarily need to offload that ball. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily need to try to pass to the winger that's got nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, right. Well, it's it, like what I was saying last week. It's like that yeah. calmness, that level headedness. Yeah. That and- hasn't been there. Cause, th- Cause then you can be like, okay, you can take the ball into contact. You can 
go to ground. And yeah, sure, you may concede a penalty from a turnover. That did happen multiple times. But if you're the one making the break and you're waiting and you need, you know, reinforcements yeah. to get behind you, offloading isn't going to help. And, yeah. you know, just, yeah. just keep it calm. Just keep it calm. I- keep talking to one another. It doesn't matter what the other guys here yeah. like if yeah and i yeah. think that's like that to me seems part of it because like we're kind of like you were kind of like touching on like the attack um and stuff and it's like i mean maybe you kind of got to simplify the attack because you basically have a you know a carousel of players coming in and out of the lineup constantly right so you know and a lot of these you know so maybe like work you got to do a little bit more to make sure you can work on like the cohesion or maybe you got to simplify things a little bit um just to kind of make it work with you know i mean we're talking we've talked about a game last week where they had a forward playing center right like you got to yeah. come up with something to make that attack work but i think like watching this game and it's like strategically like the arrows kind of played this game how i would want them to play the game Really? It's like, you know, obviously all the injuries and stuff. Yeah. Play for territory. Right. Yeah. Like, tr- like, I think like that works. And it's like the arrows in this game, they had, um, I thought, as I said, I thought Brody Malcolm Black really good at the kicking game. Um, and they did a really good job helping the arrows control territory, putting them in the right parts of the park, um, especially leading up to like the last, um, the last, you know, phases of the game. And I think like, when, when we look at, um, I'll get your opinion on this, because obviously this was a talking point on social media after. Yeah. I think fi- in the final minutes of the game, like, to me, I think the Arrows played it strategically perfectly. Yeah. Right? Like, I think it was, you know, you, um, you know, you, the Jackals kick the ball back to you, right? Black runs it up. Mm-hmm. You run through, like, X amount of phases, however many it is. The forwards break down the defense. You eventually swing it out wide. Bowen draws a penalty, right? And then, you know, I think it's the right decision to kick to the corner down by three. Yeah. Right? And the only thing that falls apart is that they couldn't push them all over, right? Yeah. And I don't know. I think, I I still think it's, I don't know. I want to know what, what you kind of think because I, I put my opinion on the, uh, the play call at the end or yeah. the decision at the end of the game, but I kind of want to hear your thoughts on the arrows kicking to the corner instead of just uh, letting Malcolm, you know, take a shot at goal and tie the game. So having seen the England versus Wales game from the 2015 Rugby World Cup, kicking to the corner in like the dying seconds to win the game, you know, sure gets like the crowd up and going. Um, but then it depends on like the choice of line out you do. So in that okay. uh, England game, England went for a short line out to which Wales then flooded them, pushed them into touch. They had the line out and then they eventually won the game. Arrows did the so same the, thing. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> you know, they didn't get pushed into out. touch, but, you know, it's a short line out. It didn't yeah. work out. Rumble, you know, Rumble, Dallas got their hand. Yeah. Dallas got Rumble their hand. didn't on even there. jump. Yeah, so yeah. I think if they had gone for, you know, a longer line out, a bigger line out, then, you know, we could be talking about a different result. However, the, between going for the post and going for the line out, yeah. I think it's very easy in hindsight to say, oh, you should have gone for the post and you should tie the game. But considering earlier when Ross Brody scored that try, Sam Malcolm had the conversion and he missed it. And that's roughly in the same vein or area of where that penalty was going to be so he may have said like you know i'm not first of all he also looked pretty knackered at the end of that game pretty tired pretty yeah. uh you know it's like he he had a few uh tackles on him and you know i know he has like the heart of a lion but uh maybe he needs the uh body of uh baymax from Big Hero Six or something, just a bit of and, <laughs> wow, and Big it, Hero Six reference. That's a deep, deep cut there. Well, well that's it. He just needs a, he just needs a bit of time to recover, relax, and you know, yeah. and, and you know, I think if the yeah, like I said, if the line out had been a bit longer, we could be talking about a completely different game. The line out choice, you know, obviously it didn't work, but you know, if you have the opportunity to win the game at the death, then you got to go for it. You can't. Yeah, I, I think what was going through the players' minds is like, right, if we 
Yeah, that's what's like, going yeah, through the players' yeah. minds. If, if we win. if we win this game, we get four points yeah. and we go back home with like the momentum in our you know momentum behind us, wind in our sails. Yeah. If we go for the penalty, we only get two points, and it's a game in which we had majority possession, majority of territory, and all we can all we can come away with is a draw. We are currently losing, so the worst case scenario is we lose. But if we have the opportunity to do better then we're going to go for the one that gives the most reward. So, yeah, I so I agree. I think going for the corner was the right call to make. The line-out choice was not, but okay. yeah, but, the, but that's a, as in like, but that's a minor detail in the whole scheme of things in the sense of you have to have that mentality of we are coming into this league, we're coming into this competition to win. We are not oh, gonna. Yeah, we are not gonna. We are not gonna climb up the table by getting draws. We are not going to improve ourselves by taking the easy way out. We have to challenge ourselves. We have to push ourselves, and more specifically, push our opponents over the line so we can duck down. But and you know, but you know, it was Dallas's day. They yeah. had the ability to counter it. They did. You could see the players begging uh, Mike Lash to just. <laughs> That's 80, minutes, right? That's 80 minutes, yeah. right? Right, right, sir. That's and, 80, 80. Um, and yeah, and yeah, we saw the reaction, and yeah. you know, and and you know, especially when you compare it back to last year, where it was the Arrows were the only team to nil, or I think the first team to nil Dallas. The, it's the biggest. Like 50, it was the biggest. Yeah, the, yeah, the biggest win margin. I don't know if it was in, the first, but it was the biggest shutout victory in MLR history. Fifty-seven. No, uh, no, I mean against Dallas. Like Dallas has yeah. scored points against every other team except Toronto. So Toronto oh, was, it was team. Toronto. I, can't, I was just—I can't remember if Toronto. Toronto was the first team to shut out Dallas. I thought. Yeah. Well, I guess they got us back in the end, eh? Yeah. So, so maybe come, but you know that it. So yeah. Yeah. I don't even think I mentioned it. The final score: Dallas fourteen, Toronto eleven. A try right, by everybody that's listening Brody. to this knows the final score. It's yeah, <laughs> try by Brody, two pens by Malcolm, and as you mentioned, yeah. Brendan Black. He is the feature for Canada under twenty three sevens in Tampa, Florida, this coming mm. weekend. So, you know, he's heading uh, down to the Sunshine State, whilst uh, New York will be heading up to uh, York Line Stadium as the Arrows. Come home for what well, I'm sure will be a very easy game with no uh, worries or concerns <laughs> at all. No, none. Um, the arrows are the arrow. Well, I mean, the arrows are really good at home. Um, James Dealey put up their uh, their home winning percentage versus their road winning percentage, and it's significantly higher. Um, mm-hmm, I think it was yeah. like seven. It was close to like seven fifty, right? Like I can't remember. I should pull yeah. up his actual tweet and look at it. Um, I'll just redirect everybody to uh, all of James. Dealey's yeah, James Dealey on Instagram MLR stats. He's yeah. the he's yeah, a man exactly. that you need to. It's it's all up there. Yeah. Um, give him give him a follow. Tell him uh, tell him LaRouche rugby sent you. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about well, the. Scores. No, I, was gonna, I just want I wanted to add one. This season's not over by any stretch. The Eastern Conference, if you really look at it, um, kind of stinks. Yeah. Uh, we're about to talk about the uh, the other games in the MLR right now. Where the there was four interconference matchups and the West just wiped the floor with the East, um, right? So they went four and zero for the Western Conference in this one, yeah. Which ultimately means that the Arrows, despite being one in five, are only nine points back of a playoff spot. They play that team, the New York Iron Workers, this week. So if you get a win against them, that's going to keep the Iron Workers in check, plus move you up a little bit. But yeah. also, it's fun to keep in mind that the second place team is the NOLA Gold, who are three and four. So currently sitting, the second place team in the Eastern Conference is below 500. Yeah. So there, you there's time to make this up. But I think the Arrows got to use, one, get healthy. And two, we got to use this homestand to make up some ground in the standings. Absolutely, yeah. 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 No matter how right. good the teams are that are coming in, you have to. Right. It's now or ne- it's going to get to the now or never point. Yeah. Right. Speaking of the superior Western Conference teams, we uh, start the weekend of uh, round seven with Utah versus New England. Now, this was actually a pretty much like a ding dong battle with uh, mm. tries being scored either side of the pitch within like a few minutes apart. But ultimately, it was the uh, 
boot of Utah, getting two penalties that finally edged them ahead of New England. The final score, Utah 26, New England 24. Got to say as well, mentioning Canadians, Isaac Olsen scoring the third try for New England as well. Uh, you know, darting around in the second half and able to dot that down. You know, that's the first MLR try, isn't it? That is, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, supporting Canadians here on the Rouge Rugby. It's okay, a lot now, of Canadian tries this week. Oh but... yes, that is. So then we have Chicago versus Houston. Uh, you know, consider now this is a Western Conference only uh, clash. So, uh, you know, Houston started off pretty well. They are uh, getting scores on the. Uh, uh, Chicago pretty early, but the Hounds were able to get themselves back into the game. And even though they just weren't able to get over that threshold, the final score Chicago 21, Houston 28. Now comes the closest game of the round, which I always thought was going to be. Uh, so I thought it was going to be Dallas versus Toronto, then it was actually Utah versus New England, but finally it was Nola versus Seattle. Nola Gold putting the Seawolves, uh, famous Seawall to into question, especially in the first half. But uh, that's the thing if you ever count Seattle out, uh, they're gonna make you pay for it. And you know, they were able to come back a few tries themselves eventually, like just getting that scoreboard ticking over. Uh, the uh, conceded right towards the end, which uh, got Nola back into it, but it just mm-hmm. wasn't enough in the end. The final score, Nola Gold 35, Seattle 36. If, if only Nola realized the game had started, they, they would have won. Yeah, like the fastest <laughs> try in MLR history, scored yeah. by the player of the round, Connor Moonian. Yeah. Now we have a game in which uh, an Eastern team won because they were playing another Eastern team. New York, back from the bye week, back home. Uh, hosting uh, Rugby ATL. So, a you know, ATL's chance to avenge their uh, defeat in the uh, Eastern Conference Eliminator of 2022. But unfortunately, New York were just too powerful. And it was their two Canadians able to get scores. Uh, Quinn Nawadi and Andrew Coe both dotting down for a try. Nawadi was opportunistic to say at least because those tackles from ATL were atrocious say, send, send a bigger defender you can't yeah. send the scrum half to tackle Quinn Nawadi like no, no. Send, send somebody with a little bit more size next time that's Nawadi's second try in as many games too um yeah both of them both of them uh in the corner some nice finishes um yeah. this game was actually great for Canadians scoring tries in the corner was actually yeah. outstanding for that. Very, we almost got. I'm disappointed in Matt Heaton because he should have scored a try in the only corner that didn't have a Canadian player score a try in. Then we would have completed a nice little, I don't really know what we would have called that, a Canadian cycle. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, it wasn't, okay. you know, it's a Jack Shaw try too. Yeah, Jack Shaw. That was it. I was uh, making sure I got my names. It's, it's, Sometimes it's hard to track keeping all these uh, Canadians and all these American teams. They but, scored uh, um all yeah. their tries too. They scored all their tries like in a row too. So we got the uh, the natural hat trick of Canadian tries in this game. Yeah, always great to see. Um, but yeah, final score: New York thirty-one, Atlanta twenty. And then we come into the final game of the round: uh, San Diego versus DC. San Diego back in the immaculate Snapdragon Stadium, and yeah, they just seem to be home advantage paying dividends to them without question. Uh, DC were able to get a few scores in, but unfortunately, it just wasn't enough on the night. Well, I think night should be uh, afternoon. Really, but then again, it was uh, you know it was all these Pacific times, East Coast times, are just like messing me up. Man. The final score: San Diego forty-eight, DC twenty-six. So DC, any game where Ma Nanu scores a try, score, scores a try uh, after, especially after having received a yellow card within like the first quarter of the game as well. So you we'll know, redemption bringing it back around. But DC able to get away with a try bonus point. So, you know, got you know, maybe uh obviously it doesn't affect San Diego too much, but you know, could definitely pay dividends for old glory come towards the end of the season. Right. So we started talking about European rugby and then American rugby. How about American rugby in Europe? Because we have the women's uh uh Canadian versus USA game which 
forms the first round of the Pacific Four series for 2023. Being played and, in the lovely Pacific coast of Spain. Yeah, it's Pacific coast of Madrid. Yeah, the beautiful Pacific Ocean out there in, uh, in Spain. Yeah. I love rugby geography. It's my favorite. And well, you know, South Africa's in Europe, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the yeah, Pacific yeah. Ocean is in Spain, exactly. So anyway, we uh, so this is the first round. You know, obviously, a lot of Canadian players that were in the, the World Cup and the previous Pacific Four series weren't available, and that didn't matter a damn bit <laughs> because this was a slobber knocker. This was a statement delivered to Australia and New Zealand as Canada scored a total of, I believe it was eight tries. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We're bad yeah, at geography eight, and math. Yeah, eight tries. Eight tries, five of them converted, and the USA only able to score one. The final score, Canada 50, USA 7. But that's uh, there's something about this game that I want to talk about, and it is like the number of yellow cards that were dished out. So, um, and, and they all happened in the second half. So, uh, the 54th minutes, uh, Sarah Svoboda gets a yellow card. She gets 10 minutes in the bin during which uh, the USA get the second of the... Sorry, I I apologize. My scoring was bad. Uh, it's kind of 50 USA 17 because they scored two tries um, with... You know what's funny is I heard you say that and I was like, you didn't correct me. I didn't correct you. So I was like, this game was so bad that I'm like, I, I, it's probably, I was like, oh yeah, Canada probably killed them by even worse than I thought because there was, I didn't, yeah. So I mean, yes, 717, but like, yeah, I mean, really though, like, yeah, I mean, minuscule difference in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Anyway, as Hope, so Hope Rogers got the try after Sarah Svoboda's yellow card. Um, and then shortly after she came back, it was Lottie Clapp getting uh, USA's uh, second try. Um, but in the meantime, Tyson Bukaboom had scored a try with Sophie DeGoody converting. By the way, this is the unofficial Sophie DeGoody fan club. She was incredible as always i don't best know why surprised. absolutely absolutely best 15s player in the world at this moment in time i and feel like you're getting very distracted from whatever point you wanted to make about these yellow cards though yeah so so obviously uh yellow card points conceded and it didn't great and then we get into the final 10 minutes of the match and fabiola forteza she gets a yellow card she's um out for the remainder of the game then two minutes later with the USA having a player advantage, uh, Kate Zachary, the captain, she gets yellow carded. Then Autumn, I'm going to butcher this name, I'm sorry, Autumn Plicky gets a yellow card as well. So the USA go from having a player advantage to now losing two of their players. So they're at a player disadvantage and it's spread out between the forwards and the backs. So yeah, and within a minute of um, uh, Autumn getting a yellow card, uh, Gillian Borg gets the final try of the game. Sophie Goody proves she's human and misses the conversion. And I thought it was really unfair that the broadcast went straight over to like the US bench and uh, Zaplicki is just like crying with all the players conf- oh. um, comforting her and just making sure she's okay. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> It's an just, emotional game, Stu. It's an emotional game. You have to you have to let it out sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I, I get it. I mean, obviously, this is, you know, going to be uh, very important when it comes especially to the WXV later this year because uh, the top three teams from the Pacific Four Series will go to WXV 1 against the top three teams uh, in the Six Nations. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you've been watching the Six Nations, but this... Uh, is a clear demonstration of how far professionalism can push you along because uh, Wales, Wales women are doing superbly well. And oh, did you just consider? Were you just optimistic about Wales? Yeah, because in case you haven't noticed, it's only the women that are doing well no. in rugby. So, you know, red or black doesn't matter to me. 
if they're the women playing, they're doing fantastically so far. Yeah. I mean, you know, Canada coming off uh, two wins, this win against the USA and last week's win against South Africa and uh, Wales have beaten Ireland and beaten Scotland as well. Admittedly, they are playing England next, so I'm expecting that streak to come to a abrupt halt. But you know, I'm I'm taking I'm having the slight optimism where it comes to. I've, I've been in Canada too long. Something's definitely wrong with me. <laughs> Being optimistic oh. of all things, Ugh. well, it feels weird. It feels um, wrong. Yeah, I mean, well, it's like you can you can enjoy it sometimes. Um, it's you know, it's it does it does. It boosts the soul a little bit to like feel good about things sometimes too. Um, so like just you know keep that in mind. Um, mm. This something that you can definitely feel good about though. Um, Sophie de Goody is the best rugby player on the planet. Yes, Th- this whole game is just obviously an incredible performance from her. Um, just dominant in breakdown, dominant making tackles. Um, you know, obviously kicked the five conversions. Tons of line breaks, tons of offloads, turned into Ricky Ray for about three seconds to hit a nice like 40-yard football-style throw um, out to the wing on Poulin's second try, which feels like it shouldn't have actually been possible to do with based on the way she had to pick up that ball um, in order to pull that off. Just an absolutely unbelievable player and you know, like there, there was um, a lot of really good performances in this game too. Um, Fancy Bermudez um, has three tries in her first two games um, with the National 15s team, and this try was absolutely nasty. Um, she, you know, f- stiff armed that U.S. defender into a different realm. Like, yeah, yeah, it was incredible. Um, right, and a lot of great players on this team. Poulin had some nice tries, but like this was like a Sophie to Goody game as big as a Sophie to Goody game could possibly be. Um, she had her hand in everything um, and was completely dominant. And it's one of those things where I was like, we, I think as a Canadian rugby community, um, which includes rugby Canada, it includes the media fans, people that just play rugby at clubs um, if we want this sport in this country to grow, um, we cannot waste Sophie de Goody. No. Um, she like I like I like genuinely, like there is not a Canadian athlete on this planet that dominates their sport like this, with the exception of maybe Connor McDavid. And that's probably and that's honestly debatable. To, well, maybe yeah. not debatable. Connor McDavid's pretty goddamn unreal. Um, but yeah, it's but like, how many conversions has he kicked? Yeah, exactly. But like, that's the thing, though, right? Like, we will sit and watch athletes and be like, you know, like I like a uh, Shohei Otani or something, right? It's like he pitches and bats and fields and does everything you know, a baseball player could possibly do, which is unusual in this day and age, and do. Like the goody is also kind of like that, right? Like she's a forward that does a job that typically goes to backs and she does it better than most players in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, as far as kicking goals go. Right. And like that's kind of part of it. And I'm like, if if we want this game to grow, when's the, the women's world cups after the men's world cup, right? Yes. Yeah, the next the next world cup is in for the no, I meant for the uh, the one that's in the United States. It's 2033. Oh, 2033. 30, yeah, so it's after the men's one, right? But yeah. it's like, okay, so DeGoody's also young enough that she could probably play in that, provided, mm-hmm. probably, yeah, provided, you know, everyone stays healthy and everything, right? Um, And it's like, there really is going to be like, no, I don't think there's a better player to kind of build up rugby Canada and build up the sport of rugby as far as popularity goes than her right now, than Sophie de Goody, right? You have like, obviously the immense talent, right? Like the, like honestly, like the immense talent Um, when, you know, when she's doing like interviews and stuff, right? Um, You know, she's articulate, she's engaging, she's entertaining in like her post-match interviews or podcasts or anything else that she does. 
right? And, you know, she's got a really cool story, basically being Canadian rugby royalty, with both her mm -hmm. parents being former captains of Canadian World Cup teams, right? So you get the really cool story. You get the fact that, you know, she's really good on, like, the microphone and when she does media. And you also get the fact that she's the best player in the world. Yeah. Right? That is such a unbelievably rare combination to get in a person. And, like, there's... To me, I'm looking at this and, you know, I'm not a marketing expert. I am far from it. Um, but I'm like genuinely every time I watch Sophie the Goody and I'm like, there is no reason that she cannot be on like the same level as especially if Rugby Canada takes off, wins a World Cup. Um, right. There's no reason why, like as a rugby community, we have to figure out how to get her to like the that like as far as recognizable recognizability in within Canada, like we gotta get her on like the level of like Christine Sinclair or like, you know, the average NHL player um or something. Because like like, you know, like um Penny Alexiak, other Olympian athletes that dominate that are household names that are super popular within our country. Like we have to get her to that level. Yeah. Right, the yeah. the McDavid's, Alexiak, Sinclair's of our country, yeah. Because, yeah, like I don't, it's, it's unbelievable what, what she does, and it's honestly like it it almost saddens me that rugby isn't po as popular in this country right now because sports fans in Canada that love getting behind Canadian national teams, especially when they're doing well, aren't watching this yeah right because it's like she's she might be the best athlete i keep saying the best rugby she might be the best athlete on the planet like i don't know yeah right like it's and i mean maybe we're being a little hyperbolic because it's a canadian rugby podcast and we're yeah really but excited i think i think as well it's also the continued argument of you need to make these women professional as soon as possible oh my god yeah um yeah you need that Can but also, it's yeah, you you do obviously need that. Yeah. Like they, so, and um, but because this is the thing is that we we're very fortunate that first of all that we get to see Sophie Degudi play on the national level and yeah. and be alive for it. And but the thing is, is that with this, and you know, Karen Paqui was saying about it when we interviewed her, is that these other nations like New Zealand, Australia. Uh, England, basically, all the teams in the Six Nations, with the exception of Ireland, apparently, for some unknown reason, mm -hmm. their teams are going professional because it's like, hey, if we invest in these players and, you know, we give them the ability to train and prepare in a professional environment with them, without them having to worry about, you know, where's, uh, where, how are the bills going to be paid? Yeah. You suddenly have lots of players that are playing incredibly well how amazing would it be if we had sophie de goody and another player that could perform at sophie de goody's level on the canadian team and the only reason why they can't is because they have to hold down another job for the rest of the year yeah i mean i think that's uh that was the whole i mean that was the whole talking point after uh you know from de goody uh and kevin ruay um after yeah. the world cup right was you know, more money, more resources, more games, um, more yeah. basically more everything, right? Yeah. And um yeah, I think but I think a part of it too is is like you probably I don't know, um, are we looking at like a little bit of a chicken or the egg thing too, right? Like would more like do we gotta wait for more money to, you know, start like, you know, I guess, you know, up in some like marketing initiatives or some awareness yeah. and stuff? Or does, you know, trying to figure out like let's pump up some like sophie to goody highlights on whatever yeah. like rug yeah. uh, world rugby right now if you look at their feed is a sophie to goody highlight reel yeah right now because yeah of, that's well that's the thing like, get that like get all her clips get anything yeah. from the women's that games that you can get that sent over to like tsn and be just like, be oh, like yeah. hey because you know well tsn have the rights to the world cup and be like hey if you yeah. like what she's doing or if you want to see what uh, the men can do, then, hey, yeah. there's a sport called rugby. But, yeah, as, well, this is the thing, is that if we're still waiting on if the chicken yeah. or the egg's going to come first, then another nation's going to answer that question and Canada's going to mm -hmm. be further and further behind. 
We've seen this happen with the men's team. We cannot let this happen with the women. Anyway, I think we're moving off the topic of what we've been talking about. Not really. It's the Sophie Diggity fan club. We're talking about Sophie. That is true, yeah. But in terms of the uh, Pacific Four series, there will now be a break until June 28th which will be the game between Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, we are going to have to wait a while, but it is worth it because those remaining games, which include Canada versus Australia and Canada versus New Zealand, will be played in July in Canada. Those venues and dates are yet to be confirmed, but that means that somewhere within Canadian time zones we'll be able to see the women take on the defending world champions. And... Uh, one of the higher-ranked teams in uh, women's rugby. And as we said before, this is forming part of the qualification for the WXV, which will be taking place this uh, year, uh, towards the end of the year. I, my assumption is after the Men's World Cup in France, so I believe around like November time, that is held in a neutral venue yet to be yeah. determined as well. But... I mean, you know, we, we've made a joke of like, oh, Spain, that Pacific uh, nation... They've hosted uh, Canada. They've allowed Canada to get uh, an extra game with uh, South Africa, you know, and uh, this game as well. And hopefully, we're getting two more. Uh, well, we will be getting two more Canada women's games later this mm-hmm. year, and then three more games with the uh, WXV. So it's going to be very interesting to watch I, and see how it develops. I think even circling back to what we were just talking about, though, like if Canada, the Canadian women's 15s team is going to play, what, two home games in Canada, yeah. uh, regardless of what city that's in, um, Sophie DeGoody's face should be on literally everything. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's other players on the team that yeah. you could probably also use to market the team. Um, But yeah, just... And you could, but like you don't necessarily you're not going to have the best player in the world very often on in a, on a Canadian rugby team. Um, yeah. So you got to take advantage of it, man. And it's like if you're walk if that game's in Vancouver, you, there should be Rugby Canada ads or billboards with Sophie Goody's face on it in Vancouver. If it's in Toronto, should be at you know um, Young Dundas Square lit up. Um, that's if you like you got to. I don't know. Just I just we got to get I it. I feel like there. we can't waste it. I don't know. I'm yeah. Just, stop! Stop waiting for the chicken and the egg and raise your own for crying out loud. Yeah. Anyway, we're moving on. Uh, so we've been to North America. We've been to Europe. How about uh, Asia, where we have the latest leg of the World Seven Series? We are back to Hong Kong for both the men's and women's sevens. Yeah. And you know, men's sevens. You know, they needed to be doing a job and unfortunately it's just not coming to them uh in the pool stage they had a 17-7 loss to argentina a 47 42-7 loss to fiji and a 29-5 loss to samoa so they don't even make it into the uh knockout round for the cup uh and they open that for the ninth place listing with a 17-0 loss to ireland uh, they score a 19 to 12 win over Japan before conceding a 17 to 7 loss to Hong Kong, China, and the men's sevens have finished 14th. Now, in the men's standings, they are currently uh, the 14th place team on 22 points. They are clear of Japan, who is in the 15th of the regular teams and uh, 16th overall but they are now a solid 18 points away from the safety zone of uh, 11, which is currently held by Spain. It's it's between Spain and Uruguay of who looks to be um, avoiding that elimination uh, pool stage. They do have uh, another tournament before Toulouse. That's in Singapore. That will be coming up this coming weekend, available on CBC and CBC Gem. Uh, before that tournament in Toulouse and at the conclusion of that tournament that will decide if Canada will be in the playoff between 12th, 13th and 14th and the winner of the Challenger Series of 2023. So that's uh, something that hopefully we want to see the result but they really need to be pulling out all the stops now in Singapore and Toulouse. 
On to the women, and it's a bit more positive. So we start off with a 0-5 loss to Great Britain, but then a 22-5 win over Hong Kong, China, before a 46-0 loss to New Zealand. They then progress onto the Cup uh, uh, stages, which they begin with a 45-5 loss to New Zealand, followed by a 12-7 win over the USA, before concluding their tournament with a 22-12 loss to France plating sixth overall. Now, obviously, the women's standings don't mean much because there isn't a terms of elimination. However, it was announced that the teams have all been made for the qualification for Paris 2024. So New Zealand, Australia, the USA, and I believe Ireland have all qualified. France technically are fourth. However, they are hosts, so they also automatically qualify. So... Uh, and it was announced uh, earlier this week that it will be Langford in uh, British Columbia that will be hosting the Rugby America North Sevens, and that will be acting as a qualifier, a qualifier for the men's and uh, women's positions for the uh, Olympics. Now, with the USA automatically qualifying, they will not be uh, taking part in that tournament, so that should leave a clear path for the women's team to hopefully qualify. For the men's, it's a bit more of a challenge because it currently stands that the men's um, USA team are ninth and therefore out of the qualification for um, automatically qualifying from the seven series. So it looks like the men and the USA men's and Canada men's will both be entering that uh, RAN Sevens tournament. Only the top team will qualify for the Olympics, and the second and third ranked teams will be progressing to a knockout tournament, which will be held in 2024 at a later date. <sighs> so, a lot of rugby happening and a lot of rugby yet to come. Derek, we are now at round eight. And we are here to make our predictions. First up, New England versus Chicago. Who do you have? Uh, New England. New England. Although Chicago's in the West, so who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. And I will... You know, I'm going to be picking New England as well. I know their home record hasn't been, you know, as thrilling as it has been in previous years. But, you know, they've at least been winning, even if it is only by one or two points. So, you know, a win's a win. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Toronto versus New York. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, Derek, and or, say that you'd be picking a team with Canadians in it. Oh, but that's, which uh, that's one a good are you going to pick? That's a good call. Um, yeah, you know, um, New York, obviously, uh, they're, they're playing pretty well. They had a couple of really nice Canadian tries. They had really nice black jerseys on, but they need black shorts to make it work. And because they don't have the black shorts to make the nice black jersey work and actually make it look good from head to toe, you got to stick with Toronto. And um, any... It's also the first home game, so Toronto. That as well. But this is the thing with Toronto and New York, is that whoever wins the first encounter loses the second encounter. And New York won the first match against Toronto, which therefore means that Toronto is going to win the second match. Yeah. So Toronto is going to win this game. So I'm it's picking just, Toronto. It's just, it's just science at this point. It's, it's science. It's maths. It's physics. It's biology. It's yeah. chemistry. It's, it's all, it's English literature. It's algebra. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all the stu subjects. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, Quinn and Andrew, but it's just the way it is. Yeah. Okay. Now we have another all Eastern clash as it's Atlanta versus DC. Both teams coming off a loss in round seven. Who do you have? Ah. Oh. Um, and this is held at Silverbacks Park. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a tough one. Um, both teams seem pretty even. Um, ah, I think I think I might I think I might lean Atlanta just because they're at home, and for no real other reason. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the team that's ranked higher, based only because they've got more uh, bonus points. I'm gonna go with DC. Also, I think that this game could go either way, so I think it's fair enough that one of us picks one team <laughs> yeah. and one of us picks the other. Uh, next up, and all. Uh, yeah, it seems to be. I think it's New England versus Chicago was the only cross conference game because next up we have Houston versus Utah. 
Oh, and uh, Utah's and playing well, man. Little two games. Well, Houston are playing well as Houston, well. Yeah, so. Houston's been playing well all season. Um, man, Houston's been really good though. Um, I think like, what's Houston's only loss is to Seattle, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, you know what? I think I'll do the same thing, man. I think I'm just gonna keep back in the home team a little bit this week. Um, all I'll, right. I'll take Houston. Okay, I am not gonna follow what's it. I so actually, hmm. No, you know, I'll pick. I'll pick Houston as well. Oh wow! Yeah. All right. And that leaves you know what us that means. with that means Utah wins for sure. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, and finally we have Seattle versus San Diego, and this. Oh. Uh, San Diego game. have only lost once this season. Seattle have not lost a game yet, and yet. Saying all that, they are both on the same number of points, 26 each. It is uh, it's tough at the top. At <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, San Diego scores at will. Uh, I know what you said, like, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes ago, whenever it would have been, that it'd be super cool to see the Arrows and uh, Seattle's unbeaten streak. Um, But at the same time, I'm not sure it's going to get that far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna. These, these games are always fun. San Diego, Seattle's always got a little extra spice to it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go San Diego though. Mm-hmm. Been a so good, I, been a good week for red and black teams. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, even though I picked Utah, yeah. wins, but whatever. Yeah, we seem to be going on like opposing threads because you've picked a home team for the last two games. Yeah, and I picked away, and I'm gonna do the reverse. I think again. I think this is similar to Atlanta versus DC. I think it's gonna be a great clash and i think and i think the winner will be the fans maybe not the fans of one of the teams but fans of rugby in general so (laughs) i am gonna pick seattle and that leads with the final games uh going over again is new england versus chicago toronto versus new york atlanta versus dc houston versus utah and seattle versus san diego and you can watch those mlr games on the rugby network the arrows game will be available on tsn2 tsn.ca and tsn app as mentioned before the world seven series continues this weekend in singapore and is available on cbc and cbc gem we are also into the quarterfinals of the champions and challenge cup in europe and you can watch those games on epcrugby.tv now if you enjoyed this episode be sure to check out more episodes as well as our written pieces on our new website therougerugby.ca you can also find our podcast on spotify s 4 and Apple Podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel at The Rouge Rugby with episodes of the podcast as well as extra interviews and players and coaches. Make sure to like and subscribe and hit the bell notification to stay up to date with all of our videos. We are also available across social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at The Rouge Rugby. But Derek, if the fine people want to find you specifically, where can they do so on social media? Yeah, uh, you can find me at Reset the Jet uh, across all social media platforms. You could also find me at York Lions Stadium this Saturday at four o'clock, probably well before four o'clock because I'm going to be there way before kickoff. But you get the idea. And I will also be at York Lions Stadium uh, before and after the game. Yeah, and you can find me across social media at Hardman's about H4RDMAN. Well, that's where we're going to end this episode. Derek, thank you for joining me, and thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast, where we focus on real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time. <laughs>